Welcome to Cyber Career Chat, the podcast supporting innovation in the fast-paced world of cybersecurity. Join us as we explore the exciting career paths and opportunities available and keep up with industry developments in Australia and around the world. Cyber Career Chat is brought to you by the Workforce Development Team at the New South Wales Cybersecurity Innovation Node and proudly produced and supported by the Experts On Air Podcast Network. So today we've got Melissa Peacock from The Perfect Resume. And Melissa, welcome to Cyber Careers Chat. This is your first time with us, but um, we have done work in the background. So I'm really excited to ask you a few questions today and especially targeted to those school leavers and even those that are in secondary education, being at TAFE or universities or private training or even just really re-entering the workforce. But what I really would like to touch on today is cyber and digital resumes. So... (laughs) First question, what is a resume and can you provide a bit of a a real basic overview? I mean, we all know we need to do one to hand in for a job application, but could you tell me some differences between resumes and what why are they so important? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast and also talk to the audience. So it's really great to, to be here. Um, the differences in resumes are really vast. So you've got your uh, really basic school resume that really focuses in on the particular personality traits, the particular skills that you've gained throughout your school life, such as organisation, teamwork, anything that you have particularly learned, even if you've done um, extracurricular activities like you know, playing in a netball or a basketball team. Um, you gain those uh, teamwork skills that are transferable then into the workforce when you go to have a team uh, building activity where you might be working through a particular cyber challenge. Um, so the resume for a school leaver is very different in way of the template to what an executive resume would be. Um, So the differences that go, uh, a lot of the templates that are on the website really catered towards uh, experienced resumes or executive resumes. So the fields that you really want to focus in on things that really relate to who you are as a person and the intermediary skills that you can offer an employer. Um, so that the other difference in the resumes are one resume is focused in around your career history and as a, a school leaver, you don't have that. So going to a one-page resume is really worthwhile for you Um, instead of going to one that's, say, three, four, um, hopefully not five pages long. Now, okay, great. So I understand you have explained a little bit about differences in resumes uh, from early school leavers to executive Mm -hmm. type, and you've explained, you know, a one-pager to a five-pager. For example, Mm -hmm. if I was an entry-level data analytic at a analytic, sorry, and I was after a role, what would I need to be placing Mm -hmm. into that resume? And can you explain the differences of 
what I would put into that in comparison ju- to just say a um, perhaps a retail. So I'm coming from retail and that is my resume I always use. Yep. Uh, but I would like to now go over mm-hmm. into data analytics. So what are my differences and what are my changes that I need to make so that I stand out? Absolutely. So when you're in retail, your number one skill that you use is customer service. So being able to talk to the customer, understand what their needs are and deliver a solution that fits their needs, whether it be the perfect outfit that they're wearing for a particular event or just making sure that the size and look fits their needs. When you're transferring into the cybersecurity area, the customer service skills are still important because you still will talk to particular clients about their system needs or they may transfer into internal clients. And what I mean by that is you might be a member of the IT department. However, you'll be talking to your customers in HR or service delivery or different areas of the organisation. Similarly, you'll also use those customer service skills when you're talking to vendors who may be outside of the organisation. On your resume, you can still highlight those transferable customer service skills or you can really hone in on the um, soft skill of communication and interpersonal skills. So what I mean by that is... Cybersecurity doesn't exist in isolation. You've got to work with other people to be able to deliver the uh, security solutions that you need to embed. So listening and responding to people's questions, especially because cybersecurity is such an unknown area to a lot of people, so they'll have a lot of questions or if they don't have questions, they'll still not know what to ask you. So being able to offer them additional information that really puts them at ease so that they can really trust that you know what you're doing. Um, So definitely on your resume, highlight the fact that you're able to have those interpersonal um, conversations with people Mm -hmm. and communicate with them in a way that they easily understand. Yeah, so that's really important. Soft skills we've heard a lot of. In recent times yeah. so that's really good that you yeah. say that and it is important is there anything else that you would uh, recommend yeah so the other thing with cybersecurity is one of the skills they're really looking for is looking outside of the box so um, hackers today and people who are trying to prevent malicious attacks are really trying to be at the forefront of the industry. You don't want to always be playing defensive when it comes to cybersecurity. You really want to be upfront to make sure that you're preventing any potential attacks on the business. So having that um, ability to problem solve, Mm -hmm. think outside the box and really be really curious about the different um, ways that they're doing it or just asking yourself questions. If I was a hacker, what would I do? And then really kind of figuring out, okay, these are the different areas that are a potential risk to an organisation. These are the potential solutions that can be put in place. 
and then thinking about what skills you have to be able to contribute to that. As an entry level, you're not going to have all the answers and Mm -hmm. you're definitely not going to have the um, high-level skills that people in the industry for, you know, two to ten years have had. But what you can offer is your curious, inquisitive nature Mm -hmm. to really be able to ask those outside-of-the-box questions and give an alternative perspective into what a potential hazard or risk might be. And you speak of hacking as well. I think that is the biggest thing with uh, especially uh, students, young students in secondary settings. It seems to be cybersecurity is viewed as hacking, um, that person in the in the hoodie over in the corner, and coding. Now, that's not completely true from all the conversations that we've been having because there's actually quite a large range of cyber career opportunities and hacking is really only one small part and when we talk about hacking it's not necessarily like you say you need to be on the offense and there's a lot of businesses that you need to be aware of that too and the other misconception is IT workers aren't necessarily trained for cyber security is that am I correct in saying that yeah, definitely are correct in saying that. IT has come so far in even the last five years. Like technology is constantly changing, software is being updated, and only most recently has automation gone through the roof. Mm. So a lot of the IT people have retrained mm-hmm. in, you know, especially the ones who learnt on the old DOS systems and went through the Y2K of the 2000s. Um, Those particular experienced IT workers have really had to ramp up their professional development over the years to keep up with the change. For people who are just entering their career, having those cybersecurity skills is almost like gold to an organisation because a lot of that particular skill set is outsourced to specialist companies Mm. there's a huge range of areas that you can actually get into if you have that cyber security knowledge so anything from a security analyst where you just analyze the vulnerabilities in the infrastructure such as software hardware um, networks to someone like a crypt analyst who looks at code and cipher and um, determining the purpose of malicious software everything in between that there's a huge range and that those core skills that you're learning in particular courses mm-hmm. are something that a you know a IT person who has been in the industry for a while knows their software knows their hardware knows a little bit of automation maybe they just don't have that skill set so you will be able to really contribute to teams by having that background and I think it's really great too that your website when you actually jump on and have a look I was amazed by how many templates you have on there for so many different roles and it's not just cyber it's digital and everything around teaching and management etc and I really did not understand I thought I had a great 
personally, resume until I looked at the website and thought, oh, wow, okay, I am actually missing out on a few things here. And I think a lot of people would really benefit from following such a template as well. And you you actually provide a lot of support and help in going through that. And um, I guess what I want to lead to is what is the biggest no-no for a resume? What should you... I, personal background, I guess, when I was growing up through my schooling, we were told to use pretty paper or spray a bit of perfume on it so we stood out. Is that something that you should do these days? Uh, So I'll say I'm a culprit of that too. I use my Britney Spears perfume on everything. I don't think it got me the job, to be honest. Um, But a lot of things have changed since then. So originally we would hand deliver our resumes to our local area um, organisations or you'd see something in the local paper and ring them up and apply. Those days have unfortunately gone. Um, They have been uh, replaced with an applicant tracking system uh, online through Seek, LinkedIn, etc. So the way that you apply for jobs has changed but the technology behind it has changed as well. So previously where we were just create some um, fancy resume with a a pretty word standard balloon border or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Um, What we actually need to think about now is the formatting and making sure that a robot applicant tracking system Mm -hmm. can actually extract the information from the resume that it needs. It pulls it into certain fields in the recruiter or employer's database and then the, the actual recruiter or employer doesn't see your resume first. They see you as a name in the database and then they will search for particular terms. Mm-hmm. So let's say they're looking for a security engineer. They would type in uh, security monitoring, for example. And if your resume, the information that's extracted from your resume doesn't have the key terms security monitoring, mm-hmm. then you won't come up in their search. The ATS works very well. Oh, gone. No, sorry. So I was going to say even though you could be the perfect person for that job, if you have not had those explicit words written, you're no chance. Is that what you're saying? That's correct, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's, it's also really important to make sure that your contact details are in a specific place in the resume as well. So if your um, email or phone number isn't in the body of the resume and not in the header, then you're at risk of the applicant tracking system not pulling through your details and you'll get rejected straight away because it's a mandatory field. Um, wow. So it's there's all these little elements at play that you really need to make sure that you're using an ATS-compatible resume design. An ATS, that's Applicant Tracking System. Yes, yeah. So if I was changing careers, I'm later in life, uh, I was a teacher and then I'm thinking, okay, you know what, I think I need a career change. What would be the most important information on that? This is probably a very broad question, actually. But what's the most important information that I should perhaps list on there? Thinking that perhaps I have gone through extra training and accreditations, etc. But do you think I should be listing those jobs 
It really depends on the type of teaching that you were doing. So if you were a general teacher of, say, primary school students Mm -hmm. and you were going into, you've retrained to be a security administrator, the transferable skills from primary teaching students to working with adults isn't very transferable. So we would be minimising as much information from the teaching world as possible and really focusing in on the new skills that you've gained throughout your theory. So it's very similar to a graduate resume when we do that, that we're focusing in on personalities and the actual topics that you've looked at within a course. The other thing that we would be looking at is let's say you have used particular technology in your teaching career, mm-hmm. we would then draw those across to show that you are quick at learning programs, that you're able to adapt to new technology easily and it just shows that you've got that little bit of extra skill. Mm. So how regularly do you think, oh, you should not, you know, the answer to this one, but how regularly should we actually update our resumes? It's a really good question. Um, I always recommend to update them after you start a new job six months um, in. Once you're at that six-month mark, you'll be able to kind of know what you're doing in the role and what you're contributing to. Mm. Then everything kind of stays fresh. Mm -hmm. As you're going through, keep any um, KPI meeting minutes, any kind of little achievement you've done along the way, just have a notebook with them so that when you are going to go for that new job, say two, three, five years later, mm-hmm. you then have a repertoire of all these little successes that you've had that have made your um, impact on the organisation. These are the little exciting bits that you can put in the resume to show someone that you're not actually good at your job, but you've exceeded at it and you've made a really lasting impact on the company. Mm, that's and really good to little know. things that you kind of forget about in the day-to-day run. The other thing, when you're actively looking for a job, you need to be updating your resume for every single job that you apply for. So there's particular areas on the resume like your profile and your skills section Mm -hmm. that you really do need to focus in on to make sure that those keywords are in there. So like I was saying before with the security administrator role, Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, I think it was a um, security engineer role, they were looking for security monitoring. So in your profile you would say you're knowledgeable about security monitoring um yeah and you mentioned linkedin earlier on in this conversation yeah once yeah. you've done a resume should um, you put your linkedin account on your resume as well yeah absolutely so linkedin has two different functions for an employer firstly it's a really cheap way of advertising so it's a lot cheaper than seek to mm-hmm. put a job ad on linkedin so they save money that way Okay. The second way that it works for them is they're able to headhunt people. Okay. So the your resume should actually be 
the same in LinkedIn. I'll come back to that as to why. Sure. Um, But when you're applying for a job, also have your resume in there as well. Um, Just be really careful. You do need to still update it for each role. So it's really easy to just upload your resume and forget about it and just attach it to the next job. It's really important to tailor it each time and upload a new one each time. The reason why we recommend to have the LinkedIn uh, profile exactly the same as your resume is when I was a recruiter and I was looking for people using LinkedIn, we would still get the resume first. Then we would shortlist people based on what they had in their resume. Then we would go to LinkedIn and if there was anything in LinkedIn that looked a bit strange or potentially they have you know, being discriminatory on comments okay. or they've posted something that's a little bit outside of the norm and doesn't really fit with the company culture, those people would get taken off the shortlist. But if we've already been impressed with the resume, if yeah. the LinkedIn then is the same information, we're still impressed. Mm. You're still going to be on the shortlist. It's the people who... Um, elaborate on uh, their personality type and change LinkedIn so it's more of a Facebook platform. Those are the people that you kind of go, oh, I'm not sure about their professional status or their professionalism in the workplace. And you kind of have these questions about that creep in. It's that doubt that you want to eliminate. So by having the same information on both your resume and LinkedIn, you eliminate that potential doubt and you continue being shortlisted for the interview. Mm, so so what I'm hearing is LinkedIn's really your professional social media profile. Yeah, absolutely. Keep the cat memes to Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's, that's a good way to say it. And what's the biggest... Uh, misconception about resumes that you come across quite regularly if there are any of course Um, yeah so I think one of the biggest things that we find is the length of the resume so a lot of people will go I've got to have as many pages as possible because then it shows that I'm more experienced what it actually does is it restricts the reading time and it, when you're scanning a resume, you've really only got about six seconds to impress someone. Mm. So when you do that first take, you're scanning for keywords and touches of achievements that kind of spark your interest. If you just see pages and pages of fluff and nothing really specific to that person, then you're not going to get impressed by it. And I think having a shorter and more concise resume really makes sure that the achievements are in your face, that you see them on that first take and making sure that that first page is the most relevant and not about what you want. It's about what the employer wants and how you can meet their needs. I think those, so page length and making sure that the resume is relevant to the reader are the two most important things. And unfortunately, they're the two things that a lot of people miss. Yeah. 
now I just had a side thought. Age. Should we put age on there? No, definitely not. Okay. Um, so with the age, there comes we are all human. We've all got our own personal judgments. Mm. Um, and unfortunately on paper, a personal judgment is a lot harsher mm-hmm. than when you're face-to-face with someone. So when you're looking at a resume, and this is really particularly true for people who are over 50 sure, and under, say, that 21 mark. Okay. Um, if you see someone and on their resume they're 15, you instantly go to, oh, they're just a kid, they're not going to know how to talk to people or whatever it might be. Um, then if you're over 50, oh, they're too old, they'll retire soon, they'll leave us and it'll cost a lot to train them up and they won't be interested or they're overqualified. So all these personal biases come into play. Hmm. If your resume sticks with um, the things that you've done and more about what you can offer a company rather than focusing in on I'm young, talented and ready to work in the workforce, um, those are the things that will help you get a job. Your age won't help you get a job. Sure. And that could be very detrimental, us putting it on there as well. So what are some of the some of the highlights of having the perfect resume as a business? Do you have uh, anything that's outstanding? Uh, so outstanding as in what a client has achieved? Or, sure, yeah. Um, I've had one particular client who was a, a doctor and he basically had this like 10-page resume of rubbish. It was literally just nothing interesting, full of jargon, really technical speak. And he was like, oh, I've put in my job, um, applied everywhere and I haven't gotten anything. I'm obviously qualified. What am I doing wrong? Um, we had we sat down with him and really interviewed, okay, what are the the pivotal things in your life apart from being a doctor that you've achieved and he told us about how he went overseas when there was a tidal wave and he helped this small community rebuild their um, houses and give medication to those people who were sick and help the injured so we really helped we put that on the front page and put a story around that to make sure that his humanitarian skills came out. Then there was also some particular life-saving stories that he had. So we put those up front. The next job he applied for, he got in. So it's bringing in those human elements to the resume and not just being facts figures that really do help, you know, helping someone relate to a stranger. And I'm sure he was not the only one out there. I know I've been knocked back on resume or, you know, job interviews, potential job interviews as well. We've all been there and it can be quite deflating. Yeah. Um, We've got people all the time. Yeah, it does. It does. And, look, I've been in that boat as well. Before I started this company, that was one of my driving forces of really making sure that everyone knew 
the differences because mm. um, I had come from a career where, you know, I was 10 years in, I was kind of tapped on the shoulder for different jobs and I never really needed a resume. And then all of a sudden when I actually did need to apply, I couldn't get anything. So I was like, what is, what's going on? And then I started researching all these particular things. And then the next job that I got, we actually used the applicant tracking system and I was blown away of how many people we were actually automatically rejecting who were gold. They had so many things to offer purely because their resume wasn't formatted. So it's one of these um, areas where you do need to think of the technology behind it but do not give up the worst thing that you can do is just keep doing the same thing over and over um just like Einstein said you know if you keep doing things over and over you're not going to get anywhere um so changing your strategy um making sure that you're connecting with the right people applying for the right types of jobs that match your skill level and also making sure that your resume and cover letter is engaging are the strongest things that you can do to get a job. Once you've applied, then it's the interview and then that's a whole new area that you really need to make sure that you step up to. Um, but definitely don't give up because when you are when you do give up, the employer can see that mm-hmm. and or you start getting desperate and then you look like a complete psycho to the <laughs> You want to kind of have this happy medium yes. where you're really eager, but you're not a desperate psycho. Yeah, <laughs> and you've you've seen that over all the years. You've you have read hundreds and thousands of resumes. So if anyone knows, that would be yourself. Yeah, and I think yeah, that leads yeah. for uh, another perhaps two podcasts because there's more to just a resume. We also need to attach cover letters and I think I don't really want to cover that here because we wouldn't do it justice and I think that needs a bit of a follow-up so cover letter and of course interview processes because they're all different again and yeah I think that would be great but let's do that in a couple of weeks perhaps but right now what are you most curious about in regards to resumes and what changes have you seen? I know you've already mentioned a few being the automation part, but what are you most curious about moving forward into the future with resumes? I'm actually really interested in seeing what COVID has done with recruitment. Like it's such a um, it's such a shame that a lot of people have lost their jobs and had redundancies. But in the same time, previous to COVID, any gap in a resume looks like, you know, someone's gone to prison or they've done something terrible and they can't get hired, whereas now so many people have a gap in their resume and it's okay because of COVID. Even if it wasn't because of COVID, they've still got a gap and people assume that it's COVID. So I think now is a perfect time to reskill and change your career into something that you haven't necessarily done before because people understand oh during COVID we had nothing better to do we're going to reskill so everyone's got this complacency um, in their judgment at the moment which I think is amazing for someone who is just starting their career or wants to change their career I think now's the time to definitely do that. 
Mm, and there was definitely a lot of uptake of cyber and digital roles throughout that period as well. A lot of retraining, reskilling, upskilling. It's been quite mm. interesting to watch that. So yeah, definitely. For this particular one, is there anything that perhaps I should have asked you and I haven't questioned you or is there anything that you wish to add to this before we finish up today? Um, no, I think we've kind of covered it. Just making sure that the skills are really relevant, that you're not just putting information that's typical of a position description in your resume, that you really are focusing in on the things that you've made the organisation better by doing something. Or if you're a school leaver, making sure that you insert the transferable skills from your uh, courses that you've done at school or extracurricular activities, anything that makes you unique needs to be on your resume. If you just look like everybody else that's applying, you're not going to stand out. That's really good information. It's always a pleasure to listen to you. So in wrapping up our conversation today, if I were to make sure that my resume was up to scratch, I believe I can send through my resume to the website and have it reviewed. Can you tell me a little bit more on that just before we switch off today? Yeah, absolutely. So if you head to www.theperfectresume.com.au, on the front page, there's an option to actually upload your resume. Uh, what will happen then is we will have a look at it. We'll review what you've got, make some suggestions about some of the things that need to be changed. And then we'll also be able to provide you an accurate quote if you would like us to enhance it for you. That's really fantastic. My English is great too, isn't it? No, it's it's absolutely fantastic that this is around and I know that we certainly pass it on especially to secondary school and those that are retraining and I do know a few people that have used the service and have really been blown away to be honest it's just yeah. those little tweaks so it's it is great and I certainly look forward to following and seeing how many cybersecurity specialists come through and also the digital side as well, because it is a digital transformation, of course. So I certainly look forward to seeing seeing more resumes being utilised. Um, yeah, I'm sure you've got a massive following. And, um, no, it's really great to chat to you. So thank you so much for your time, Melissa. It's, it's fantastic. No worries at all. It's always a pleasure, Sarah. Thank you. You've been listening to Cyber Career Chat, the podcast supporting innovation and opportunities in cybersecurity. You can listen to other episodes and access show notes and other resources mentioned on this podcast on our website at newsouthwalesin.com.au. That's NSW Cybersecurity Innovation Node.com.au. Cyber Career Chat is brought to you by the New South Wales Cybersecurity Innovation Node and proudly produced and supported by the Experts on Air Podcast Network.